Today's sermon is titled, Calm Before the Storm. Came up with this title due to the fact that before the storm in Jesus' life, um, during the final week of his life, living here on earth, that there was a, a palm before the storm. And if you go to John chapter 12, we can read a little bit here about the palm before the storm. John chapter 12. We'll read from verse 1 down just to put it in context for us today. John chapter 12, verse 1, is where we're starting. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom had been raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had money, he had the money box and used it, used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because of, on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed Jesus. Verse 12, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. Look at your neighbor say, you don't understand. His disciples didn't understand. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that things which were written about him, that they had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, this world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the palm before the storm. And God, we know in this life, Lord, that we will have troubles and tribulation and trials. But God, we know that you overcame them by the blood that you shed upon that cross of Calvary for the sins of all mankind. God, I pray in this place today that you would make us aware of what you're doing in our lives. And God, that we would be able to understand the things that you're telling us to do. 
Lord, that you're speaking to us. And God, that you'd help us to accomplish the goals that you have set for Bethesda. As these people are gathered here today in your name. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. The palm before the storm. It's a quote that you hear often about a calm before a storm. People will go out and even in tornado weather, you can go out in Oklahoma or Kansas or some of those Midwestern states where the tornadoes happen often. And they will tell you that there's an eeriness, there's a, a sense that you have that a storm is brewing. That they can just tell that kindly by the way the weather is that there's a stillness, that there's a quietness, that something is, is happening but it's on the horizon, it's a little ways off and, and they can sense it and they can tell it and they know to be prepared for the storm that's coming. A lot of them, Pastor Ronnie that was here last week and, or a week or two ago when we had our 20th year anniversary, Ronnie Boggs, they live out in Oklahoma now. And he talked about when they moved to Oklahoma, the house they bought and purchased and built, they actually built themselves a new home, a retirement home. Praise God. <laughs> How many hopes to have a retirement home someday where you can, you can retire and, and be in peace and just love your grandkids? They moved out there because that's where their grandkids live. And as they went out there, they went ahead and built a bunker. They built a shelter place out in their yard where that it's like a cellar in, in our world that we live in. It's a kind of a hole in the ground that they go into. It's a concrete bunker that's got a big metal door, and they can climb in there in case of a storm. But they've got a place of safety, a place of refuge. And Jesus tells us often in Scripture about it, that he is our refuge, that he's the place that we can run into. It's, it, it's, he's the one we can run and hide under the shelter of his wings. And we know in Psalms 91 that he talks about that he's like a mother hen that broods over her, her chicks and she will gather them under her wings and she will protect them at all costs. A rooster will run from a hawk, but if you get a mommy hen that a hawk tries to come, she will actually fight the hawk. And Jesus is saying, I'll fight battles that others won't. How many wants Jesus to fight some battles in your life? How many would like to have a bunker that you can run into, that it's a spiritual bunker? It's not something physical or tangible or something we can see, but it's something spiritual that God gives us a place of refuge, somewhere we can run in when we can sense a storm is coming. And Jesus knew this because how many knows that Jesus had a better spiritual compass than anybody else that's ever lived? Amen? He was able to have a better spiritual compass than anybody else. And as Jesus knew and sensed these things were coming, he, he knew the plots and plans of the Pharisees. He knew what the Sadducees were doing. He, he knew what they were doing. And as he was coming into Bethany, the town of his friend, where he should be able to sit down and have a meal and enjoy some friendship and company, there's others that's plotting to kill him. Why would you kill Jesus? They didn't like him because he raised somebody from the dead. They were mad. The Pharisees and Sadducees were mad because people, the Jews, were believing in Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And it troubled them, it perplexed them, and the only answer they had was, we need to kill him to get him out of the way so we can keep our normal. And thinking about that, how many of us enjoy change? 
Anybody enjoy change? Just love it? I'm not talking about BGMC change. I'm talking about change happening in your life. Anybody just like, whoo, I get up this morning. I, I see change coming. This is going to be awesome. This uh, conference we went to this weekend down in London, the, the guy that leads it, uh, Pastor Randy, uh, he had us to do a little exercise. So if you will, put your books down, your Bibles and all that, and put them down, and stick your hands straight out in front of you. Just stick your arms straight out. But all, everybody do it. All hands on deck here. So just put your arms straight out. And I want you to cross your arms. Just fold your arms. Just fold your arms like you're folding your arms, like you're sitting there mad. You know how you do when you're mad. Pouty face, right? Mad. All right, now, I want you to cross your arms the exact opposite way. Has <laughs> everybody got them? Okay, so you fold them this way. Now you need to fold them the opposite way. Can't even hardly do it. There we go. Now I'm there. See how uncomfortable that feels when you're crossed the arms the opposite way? So you can do it this way, too. So take your hands straight back out again. Now, I want you to stick, stick your fingers out like this, out front, and bring them. Now, I want you to put your hands together. Cross your fingers up. Now, see which finger's on top? The index finger, see which one's on top? Make the other one on top. Make them back apart, put them back together the opposite way. Feel how uncomfortable that feels? We don't like change, do we? I don't like the normal. I like being able to put my hands together the way I want to put my hands together. I like being able to cross my arms and pout the way I want to pout. Amen? But we need some change in our life. And as Jesus came, he came to change people's lives. He came to be the good change in people's life, not bad change. When Jesus came on the scene, the world didn't know what they had. He said he came into the world and the world received him not, is what Scripture says. Because they didn't want no part of him. So as this is happening and Jesus is here and he's doing all this ministry. And if you go through and look at the New Testament. If you pile it all together. You'll see that the last two weeks of Jesus' life. Is what's written about more than anything else. The final two weeks of his life. So if you read the gospels. If you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Over half of those, those gospel texts. Of the gospels of, all, of those four individuals. Over half of it is piled up into the last two weeks of Jesus' life. Why would, why would the writers, why would the Holy Spirit inspire these men of old to write down about the last two weeks of Jesus' life in greater magnitude than any other part of Scripture? And we believe there's probably something important here. And this Palm Branch Sunday, this is a Sunday that all the church comes together and, and whether you're Catholic or Baptist or, or, or a Methodist or whatever, any denomination, Nazarenes, all the churches come together. And when they come together for the, for the Sunday before Easter, it's called the Palm Sunday. And it's where it's representing this account that we read in John chapter 12 where the, the, as Jesus leaves Bethany and the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of the church, are looking to kill Jesus and kill Lazarus, both of them, it says right there in Scripture. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem from Bethany, as he's traveling, he tells his disciples, go and get this coat from this guy that's never been ridden and bring it to me. And as he comes into Jerusalem, he comes in riding on a donkey.
Riding on a donkey is symbolic of peace. It's a symbol of peace. And as Jesus comes in, it says that they took their cloaks and they threw them over the, the, over the cold. And he rode on that donkey. And as he's riding into town, that people begin to throw down their things there, the palm branches, as this donkey's traveling through coming into town. And they begin to wave those palm branches at Jesus. And it's symbolic of peace. So Jesus don't come in triumphantly into Jerusalem to bring war on Jerusalem. He comes in as a gospel of peace. So we need to think about it this way. In our lives, when Jesus comes into town, when he comes in to reside in our lives, does he come with peace or does he come with war? Is there a calm that happens when he comes? Or is there an, a, 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 a holy anger inside of us that arouses and, and comes up to say, I don't want him in my life? Because there was two different people in Jerusalem that day. There was the people that was out there crying, Hosanna, holy is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Blessed is he. And then there were those that were behind the, the walls and looking, plotting and planning, how are we going to kill this Jew that is claiming to be the Son of God? There's two types of people, those that want Jesus and those that don't. And it comes down to this, is how much change do you want in your life? Do you want Jesus to change you for the better? Or are you going to continue to live in the life that you want to live and do the things we want to do? Amen? There's a palm before the storm. And can I tell you today that no matter what happens in your life, that if there is a storm happens, it's better with Jesus than without him. Amen. Amen? Remember a few years ago, Earl just had come to church, hadn't been coming too awful long, and, and he went and he, his, his dozer tore up and he, he needed to get his logging job done, so he went out and he rented another dozer. He's like, I'm going to go rent one. So he rents a dozer off of the rental company down in Maysville, and when he rents the dozer, he gets up on the hill, and he decides to get over there, and he's, he's up there by himself. Nobody's with him, right? It, tell me if I'm wrong in this story. So he's up on the hill by himself. He's up there finishing doing some log roads and getting ready for the week so that his, the rest of the people can work all week, and he's planning it out, and, and he gets up there, and something happens that he didn't see coming. And I'd say if, if you was watching Earl before all this event, he's up there on this rented dozer. He's like, hey, man, this is pretty nice. I'm used to driving junk. This is pretty cool, right? Because it was a new dozer. He's probably riding around just smiling, having a big old time, just building roads and just, just kind of calm and just like, man, this is awesome. And he goes to shove over this one tree. And when he shoves the tree over, he doesn't see this happening or coming that when the tree begins to go over, it the root system comes out of the ground and it picks the dozer up, right? And as it picks the dozer up, it's about to flip it over. Not his dozer, somebody else's dozer. And as it begins to flip, he jumps off of it. And it's still in gear. And now it's in gear and it takes off down over the hill backwards with nobody on it and Earl being Earl chases the dozer 
So he grabs this stick, and he, he gets a stick, and as it's going down over the hill, he's trying to get a stick to knock it out of gear. Right? He gets down to the bottom of the hill, and, and it's, it's running back and forth, and he's, he's, he's hit, the, he hit the, the lever, and it's going in reverse. It's going this way, and then he'll hit the lever again, trying to knock it in neutral, and then it's going in forward, and it goes back and forth a couple times, right? The next thing you know, it gets up against this tree, and it climbs itself up and sets on the back. And now the oil that's inside the oil pan begins to run out and come into the breather, and it's what they call the engine running away. It'd be like you're going out there getting your car, holding it on the floor, and just waiting on something to happen. Scared. Old Barney's arm. I remember calling him. It was within a half hour I'd called him. Miami got a hold of us, said Earl's up in the hill somewhere. He flipped the dozer. She didn't know what all was going on. I called him on his phone. He was nervous. You could hear, hear his voice shaking, quivering. Got his arm burnt with the hot oil. And I remember him praying and requesting prayer for people in the church. That's a lot of money to be out of somebody else's equipment, brand new dozer. And God was faithful. He hears the cries of his people. Earl was able to rebuild the dozer. I had We went to... Charleston got a fuel pump rebuilt and he took the dozer back and the guy didn't charge you anything other than just a week's rent, right? Because of Jesus. What would that event been, been like without God? How many loggers a day are in a logging accident and something they didn't see coming? Everything's just going to be fine today. But there's a palm before the storm. And if we praise Jesus, he fixes things in our life. Amen? Amen. Earl shouldn't have been up there by himself. He'll tell you, he shouldn't have been there by himself. Don't ever go to the logwoods by yourself. But Jesus fixes our mistakes. And Jesus is here telling his disciples, I am your palm before the storm. All those people that were throwing down palm branches saying Hosanna to him didn't understand that the Savior of the world was riding through their town on a donkey. The one that was going to fix their life was coming in peace, not in war. They tried to get Jesus to be a revolt. His own disciples, Peter, at the night of, of when Jesus, and we'll talk about this some next week, is, is when Peter was in the, in the garden there, and they were praying in the middle of the night, and they come to get Jesus, and, and Peter draws his sword and cuts the guy's ear off. Peter was preparing for war. Jesus was preparing for peace. It's the hardest thing for people to understand is why is, is, why is a religion, is Christianity a religion where the, the God of heaven came and gave himself for humanity? All other religions want humanity to give their self for the God of heaven. This gospel is a gospel of peace. It's a gospel that needs to be preached in the world we're living right now. This past week, bombs hit Syria, you know. 
How many would rather have peace? The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Where the bombs hit is, is probably within 90 miles of the, of the capital of Jerusalem. It'd be like from here to Lexington. That's how close the bombs landed from Jerusalem. That's pretty close. Too close. And this world we're living in is a world in shambles. But what are we going to do? How much change are we going to accept? And what I loved about this trip that we went on this weekend is Leslie and I went down and multiple other pastors that the Convoy of Hope, there was two missionaries we met this weekend, just awesome people. They're starting a dream center, and it's about helping those of drug addiction, of alcohol, of those troubled and perplexed with things in this life. She goes into the jails and she preaches a peace, a gospel of peace to these people, these young ladies that have no hope. And the guy that's, the other family that's working with them, it's, it's this husband and wife, and they've got three kids, and then this other husband and wife, I think they've got three or four kids, and they're joining together. The second couple, the, the man, they, him and his wife, they were down in Ecuador at, at uh, Bill McDonald's uh, ministry in Ecuador, and as they were there, down there, they began to pray, and God said, go to Appalachia. They were in the mountains in Ecuador thinking, this is the place where we're supposed to go do ministry and supposed to be missionaries to this uh, third world nation down in Ecuador. And when they get there, God's saying, I'm just preparing you to go back in to the mountains in the United States because they need help too. I think it was 211,000 or 211 million people in America don't know Jesus. 211 million is the thing they had on the screen yesterday. Let's say that's a lot of people. I forget, I think we're the fourth largest unreached people group in the world, America. And they talked about how we casually just come in and sit in our pews and do our church thing and give our hour of the week and, and praise and worship Jesus and just we, we, we love God, we love people, we got all these signs on the wall and we, we talk about how much we're just loving on our community and doing this for the community and doing that for the community when in all reality people out in the community says they don't even know that we're, we're even here. And the guy doing the conference, he said that when he took his first pastorate, he was out in the middle of Tennessee, and he was, he was 40 miles away from, or 20 miles away from the town, and he went into town, and he told him, he said, I'm from so-and-so, I just took over the pastor, I'm the pastor of this church. They said, where's that church at? It had been there 50 years, and people in town didn't even know the church existed. And he talked about becoming that church. And I can tell you that Bethesda is already that church. Go downtown and ask any one of the volunteers or any one of the people in, in, in uh, leadership as far as political leadership or anything like that that work in the courthouse or anywhere and say, is there a church that comes in to, to bring you cookies every year? They'll say, yeah, that, that, that one church does. Probably don't even know who we are. They'll say, yeah, Leslie brings us Girl Scout cookies every year. When Girl Scout season, the cookies come out, how many cases do we buy? five or six cases of Girl Scout cookies every year and take them downtown and say, we're glad that we live in a country of the free that has a sheriff, 
amen, that has a jailer, that has a courthouse that, that I can go pay taxes for my car so we can have roads, so we can have a civilized government, amen? I'm, I'm glad that I have the ability to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we live in the country that we live in. And we, sometimes we gripe about this. Has anybody ever griped about taxes? Come on, now, truth. This is a true statement. Anybody ever just, man, I'm glad they took taxes out of my check this week. <laughs> Not too many people's happy about that. Go over and look at a third world country where there's no tax system and see what kind of world they're living in. They're drinking out of mud holes that cows are stomping in. We gripe about our water. How many's ever complained about your water? City water comes in your house. Man, this tastes awful. It's got a chlorine taste. Isn't that awful for it to have chlorine in it that kills the germs that's not going to kill you? How, would you? how many would just enjoy having diarrhea the rest of your life? If I could have a sign-up sheet up here today saying, here's the sign-up sheet, just come up and sign up, you're going to have diarrhea every day the rest of your life. Anybody come sign up? No? You know why you want it? Because you don't want it. Those third world countries, Ernie, when they drink mud out of that mud hole and it's got all dysentery and all that stuff in it, they live their whole life with diarrhea. And it kills them. Diarrhea is a deadly disease without Pepto-Bismol. We complain. And we're the ones that's got it the best. The nation we live. We don't like change. I don't want change. Don't feel comfortable changing. But they told us this weekend that we need to change because our community needs us to change. And they gave us, there's, there's this much more at the Kentucky Heights campus to come back and give to our community. We're not allowed to sell it. We're not allowed to use it amongst ourselves. We've got to figure out a way. How can we take this to reach our community to say this is from Jesus? Same from Bethesda. This is from Jesus. A whole box of M&Ms. One, two, three, four, five, six cases of M&Ms. That would last me at least a week. <laughs> but there's some little kid somewhere they can't afford M&Ms like we can. How can we get them M&Ms to those kids? There's different stuff here. There's all kinds. There's Brita water filter. There's people that still live out in Lewis County that's still living off well water. It's unfiltered. Amen? They would love to have one of these Brita water filters. I think there's two or three of them in this box right here. How do we get it to the people that need it? How can we be the change through Jesus in their life? And do we want to be? Do we want to be the calm before the storm in people's lives? I want to reach Earl with Jesus before he has the dozer wreck more than after he reaches the wrecks the dozer. We get to him first. How much more is that worth? Jesus wants to be involved in people's lives. Won't you stand with me if you will? It's a lot of verses that Jesus was wanting his disciples to understand before 
he went away. And he was telling his disciples that he was wanting them to be involved in ministry just as much as them. He sent 70 out one time and told them to go heal the sick, raise the dead. Amen. He sent them out into the communities and told them, go. And if somebody won't invite you in their house, turn around, knock the dust off your feet, and go to somebody else's house. That's what Jesus told his disciples, 70 disciples, to go do. Is a commissioning happen. But they didn't think they had the power that Jesus had. But the time they got out there in the community and started blessing others, and they started praying for sick people, and they started being a blessing to some sick people, and those hurting, and those that had storms going on in their life, as they were out there in the community being a blessing to other people, they come back and they were astonished. The Bible says when the disciples returned to Jesus, they were astonished that the demons had to listen to them. Jesus wants you to understand this today, that your prayers are effective. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. If you know somebody sick in the community or somebody sick in your family, pray for them. Lay your hands on them and say, I declare in Jesus' name you to be well. Amen? You've got a power that you received after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. I've given you power. Jesus said, I must go away so that you can finally fulfill the thing you're supposed to be fulfilling. And sometimes we don't want Jesus to go. The disciples didn't want Jesus to leave this world. He started telling them, I'm going to die. They're like, no, we don't want you to die. If you die, what are we going to do? He's like, you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Too many of us wait on Jesus to come to our neighbors when Jesus is sending us to our neighbors. You be the Jesus with some skin on that can go to your neighbors. You be the hands and feet of Jesus. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8, 31 says, What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's so many verses that talks about the power of God being in the life of the believer that can change a community. The only way people's going to come for Easter service next weekend is for you to invite them. It's for you to actually physically pick them up and bring them here with you. There's a palm before the storm. It represents peace. See, Peter didn't always institute peace. He brought on problems. Is there anybody here that raised their hand and say, that's me? Seems like I cause more problems than I fix. Amen. I cause more messes than I create peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the palm before the storm. Jesus, that as there was those that were plotting to kill you, they were plotting to snuff out the gospel of peace that you was bringing to earth. Jesus, they didn't desire to have their being in you. Lord, they didn't desire the good things you had to offer. They wanted to remain the same.
But Lord, there was others, those that were out in the street, they were in the highways and byways, and they were waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God, help us to be a people of peace. God, help Bethesda Church to be a church that is about church, about peace. Lord, that we're not looking out for world domination, but Lord, we're working towards and living out being a community of peace. Help us to be a calming voice in the time of trouble in our land, God. Let us be like you, going about doing good, cleansing all of their sin, healing all diseases, and bringing structure to people's lives. Help us reach our community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.